By staying home, you can not only protect your health and that of those around you, but ensure that our healthcare professionals and our healthcare systems can focus on those who need their help. Hello and welcome to Corona Movie Club, my entertainment world's answer to social isolation. Um, so we have a schedule of movies and we're all going to watch them independently in our own socially isolated homes and then three times a week we're going to get together over the internet and talk about them just like your mom's old book club used to do. Um, except now there's nothing old about it because it's all over the internet and we're all social isolating so that we don't help spread the coronavirus around the universe. Um, so we have people from all over North America who are participating and there's going to be different people on each call from the uh, core group. And so every episode, I'm going to come in and introduce the film that we're going to be watching, as well as the names of the people that are going to be on that week's call or that episode's call, because we're going to be doing this three times a week. Um, so I hope you guys enjoy. Let's go to the movies. It's something to do. Okay, so today is a big one. I somehow managed to make it out of film school having never seen Citizen Kane. And also just like not even film school, just made it to the age of 31 as a film literate person and have never seen Citizen Kane, which is insane, of course. Um, so one of the useful things about Corona Movie Club is that it forces me out of my standard uh, practice of only watching movies that came out this year so that I can cover them um, for the website for our awards and everything um, and forces me to take a look back at some things that I missed and obviously the big the glaring uh, hole in my film knowledge there are many but the big one is Citizen Kane um, so that's what we're talking about today uh, in case you don't know what Citizen Kane is, which is crazy, um, it is a 1941 drama film made by Orson Welles. And when I say made, I mean like made. It's he produced, he wrote it, he directed, he starred. He's like he's the guy. Um, it was his first film, and uh, he was like 26 or 27. I don't know. We talk about how old he was in the uh, in the very amusing little bit of the uh, podcast where we discuss his attractiveness level over the years so that's a fun twist into uh our take on orson wells um but it, it's a really famous movie um it's considered a sort of pioneer of style um there's all these there's you know a million things you can read about citizen kane it's on all of the best of lists it's usually one or two um on all the best of lists um, and there's lots of really interesting things uh, to read about background of Citizen Kane and like why um, it made such a big impact. There's all these things about the way it's shot and the use of music. Um, essentially, the plot is basically just the story of one man's life. Um, there's not a ton to it. There's a lot of like individual little nuances and it's got some really interesting narrative tricks. It's got an, an, unreliable, an unreliable narrator element to it that's really cool. Um, but, you know... Corona Movie Club, we don't put anything on a pedestal, so we dare to criticize Citizen Kane. So if that's a thing you think you can handle listening to, you are very welcome to continue listening. But if you're going to get mad, maybe turn it off. I don't know. I don't control what you do. Um, people on this call, uh, myself, that's Kelly Bedard, uh, Steve Vargo, Laura Hubbard, Brie Garcia, and Matthew Yipchuk. So I hope you enjoy. Do you guys want to talk about it? 
Do you guys want to talk about Citizen Kane? Uh, here's my here's my theory. I think I personally think that the hardest, like in terms of cultural commentary, the very hardest things to talk about are the things that are highest on the pedestal. So yeah. I have absolutely no idea what I want to say about this movie. It just you know so much has already been said about this movie. It's just difficult. So who else? I've always has found it hard to, to focus watching this movie, um, just because it's so dense. Mm-hmm. And it was, I, I admittedly only like paid maybe 70% attention while watching it this time around until I started to get interested. And then I would pay attention. Like I paid attention when I felt like the movie merited my attention. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I went there. What sections um, are those? Like weirdly enough, the, the parts of the parts that never interested me when I was forced to watch this, like almost 10 years ago now, I found a lot more interesting, like the transition between wife one into wife two i thought were really fascinating and the scene where all of them come together um after the political rally and it's like she wrote a note i got the note we're gonna expose you like i found that really a lot more interesting than i had in the past and i've always really loved the susan alexander plot line so that was just still awesome uh yeah i think it's just there are so many things about this movie that are brilliant, and there's so many things that also just really annoy me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what annoys you? Um, this is, I guess, more of a personal grievance. I think knowing how young Orson Welles was when he made this movie, like, what I think 20, between 21 and 25. He was 25, I believe, yeah. 25, yeah. yeah. Like, first off, I can absolutely admire the genius behind a lot of elements of it, but then just purely from like a writing perspective, it reminded me of a lot of really douchey arts people that I know <laughs> and knew at that age who feel like at 25, they understand the meaning of life and it's their job and purpose. And like <laughs> the reason that they were put on the planet by whatever spaghetti monster they believe in to like educate humanity on what the meaning of life is and i feel like that's what this movie literally is when it's like oh well i guess we can't reduce a man's life down to one word like you're you're 25 orson what do you know about life (laughs) and not to discredit how well like most things in this movie are done but i just i think like that's the thing that when i watched the movie the first time around i thought it was too deep for me to comprehend which it very well could be because I'm not Orson Welles. But at the same time now just watching it, it just reminded me of a bunch of people that I have known and have worked alongside where they're like, oh, I have so much depth and I'm going to share it with the world. It's just he had the finances and the backing to do it in a very culturally effective way. Yeah, I mean, I think that if we let our personal experience with like douchey self-important actors infiltrate Mm -hmm. well it'll ruin literally all art and all history (laughs) (laughs) because uh they can be very insufferable especially the young ones um Mm -hmm. who say things like they talk about the importance of the work you know that sort of thing it's just you know gets very tiring very quickly um so i i take your point i didn't I was like kind of vaguely aware in the back of my head the um how old he was at the time but because Orson Welles to me is someone who like will always be 40 was always 40 and will like 40 45 right. in there and then because the makeup is so amazing that mm-hmm. like 
in that era when he is like for for in his 40s that's when he looks the most like realistic to me that i that's i just thought of it as him being making it at a reasonable age and uh kind of forgot he was 25 it it is kind of unsettling how he looks exactly like he ended up looking at yes. those ages yep it's mm-hmm. creepy the the makeup's genuine like some of the older age stuff gets a little bit silly at the end but mm-hmm. it's genuinely creepy how good the sort of middle-aged makeup is with a literal 25 year old mm-hmm. i did not know he was 25 in that but no he makeup yeah. worked yeah mm-hmm. it almost looks like like watching it in 2020 it almost looks like he was the like 40 something age and then they used the irishman technology mm-hmm. to do when he's younger and then used makeup um to make him older yeah, when he had no facial hair he really looked yeah. young mm-hmm. really like he looked his age when he had no mm-hmm. facial hair I'm really glad to hear he was 25 because I had the hot take that I thought he was attractive half the movie. And so as he got older, I was like, oh, thank God I don't find him attractive anymore. <laughs> he is like a deeply charismatic person. I find him incredibly he's, compelling. He's comfortable yeah. though. Yeah. And I, but I had like a hard time with that where like I, I wasn't always follow, like I didn't really care so much about the story, but I find him, him compelling enough that I, was like invested in watching him perform at least what, what i found what i found very annoying i guess or in some scenes it might just be of its time but there's a certain acting style where i feel like actors are not listening to each other mm. and they're just talking because it's time to say their line um or they're talking over each other for power whatever whatever it is in the scene i feel like some of it like makes sense but a lot of the time i'm just like I don't think you're listening to like that line was so throwaway. Like, did you not hear what she said? Do you not know what we're talking about in the scene? Like what's going on here? Um, I felt that that a lot of times, but there's some good scenes like um, when that's not happening, like when uh, his wife brings him to his, <laughs> to, his uh, well, to reveal his cheating or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually that was a really found- good scene. I was gonna say I really like the fact like the one thing about this movie that kind of threw me off is I know Orson Welles from like Touch of Evil and like I watched that in film class and I have a whole problem with that movie but like I know of him as like a film person so I watched this thinking I was going to be bored the entire movie I actually loved it in like a weird way Um, but the one thing I really did like was kind of what you were saying Steve is just the fact that they would kind of talk over each other and like a kind of a real conversation and I know in a lot of movies like the one I always use as an example is like North by Northwest. It's just like, it feels like they're having like a monologue at each other and almost in like modern time, like anything by Shonda Rhimes where it's like, they're reading this paragraph and then the next person goes to their paragraph. And I absolutely hate that. And it just, cause it doesn't feel to me natural. And this was one of the few movies where it's a significantly older movie, but it moved at a significantly faster pace. And I'm used to movies from like the 1950s moving. Cause like generally there's a lot more like, deep 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 character development that they just go and it like moves very slowly and it's less about the plot but for me it was like weirdly fascinating how quickly this movie went um especially since i was anticipating like giving up after 20 minutes (laughs) (laughs) and then it was like midnight and i liked it but yeah so that dialogue thing i actually personally really liked it was a good 20 minutes of just Mm -hmm. this is what this movie what this is what we're gonna see for an an hour and a half Mm -hmm. yeah yeah, um, I, so I, it almost annoying, lost but... me during the, yeah. the, the news montage part. Yeah. I was like, I can't, I can't <laughs> that, with this. <laughs> so this is, 
I had seen it, I think maybe like 10 years ago or something was probably the first time I saw it. I was surprised and a little disturbed at some aspects at how closely it hit to home. Uh, Like, I don't know what the ratio of U.S. to Canada people is here. Uh, Uh, Two two to three Americans. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, there's definitely a first part just like, ooh, yeah, big uh, narcissistic person (laughs) with a hard time giving empathy and controlling a news cycle. And I just maybe nostalgic for the days when things like a love nest scandal could derail a political campaign, which is apparently fantasy now. (laughs) But I mean, it was, there was definitely, um, I'm not going to go down that path because I don't want to give that rent in my brain, that space in my brain. Um, But it was relevant, more relevant than it was during my first viewing. Hmm. For sure. It's, it's, I think it's aged quite well. Um, I would say normally, um, like a movie's legend gets in the way of my enjoyment of it. Like I, I, if the more popular I know that it is, the more grumpy I am and the more likely I am to pick it apart. Um, but I actually found it incredibly helpful sort of like stopping along the way to read about what makes Citizen Kane special. And, um, because there was a lot of things that I wasn't necessarily tuned into having seen it for the first time in 2020 um, that were groundbreaking and interesting that I just didn't know were the first time that, that are things I'm used to that mm. people wouldn't have been used to at the time. Some of like, mm-hmm. the focus related things and the music things. And I didn't care about the ceilings. I don't, there's this whole thing about how he was, was like, the first person to show ceilings and he loves uh, like, but then I just found myself sitting there being like, why are we filming these people from underneath them? It's an unflattering angle. Like you don't have the chin for this Orson. Stop it. So, so some he of that imposing. stuff I was like, I'm sure. I was like, I, some, some of that stuff I was like, okay, that makes it a lot more interesting. Um, and some of it, not so much, but um, certainly I feel like, yeah, I inf- I enjoyed finding out about like I read about which some of the the big special effects scenes and how they were shot before I got to them. So then I was able to like the opera scene. I knew it was a miniature, and then the way that they did the double exposure on the um, I mean, spoiler alert, the suicide <laughs> discovery scene. That like the technical stuff there is really interesting, but it's not things I necessarily because I'm such a story watcher. There's not it's not stuff I would have noticed if I just tried to sit and watch the movie. So I was, I was actually very grateful to have all of the sort of years and years of um, obsessive commentary to uh, read on Wikipedia. I was I very did. interested in the, uh, the lighting that was going oh, yeah. on. Oh, were you, oh, were you lighting was... designer Steve Fargo? <laughs> <laughs> but like, just like there was a lot of shadow mm-hmm. uh, main yeah. actors in shadow mm-hmm. delivering important lines. And I was like, okay with it. Uh, like story-wise, I was totally okay with it. But at the same time, I'm like, it wasn't that consistent. But I don't know. Like, I don't know what I think about it too much. I really liked the way that they used, like, the angles. I feel like they were able to use the light a lot more. I think that's one benefit of the black and white is that they're able to use this dramatic, like, lighting and angles just with, like, the cigarette smoke. Like, it was just really, it was theatrical in the way. Yeah. It was lit, but I, like, I liked it. 
I also, one thing I noticed is they kept on, I mean, is the constant sort of framing of uh, Charles Kane in the windows at certain points. I don't know if anyone else noticed mm -hmm. that. Mm. Um, but yeah, like knowing the spoiler alert that uh, Rosebud's the, the slut. Uh, <laughs> so no knowing that like when I began, it was sort of interesting. Like they had him like with his, Innocence, like playing with the slug while yeah. his parents were like talking at each other <laughs> continually through that window. That was a great shot. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. then later when they're having the like the party in New York with like all the girls that come everything, there's a couple of like business guys having a conversation. Again, you see the reflection of him in the window, like with these girls. Like I guess the sort of separation that he's trying to achieve all these material things that a lot of people want but there's still that separation but it was mm -hmm. I, they did interesting things with the they were create like creatively shot yeah i mean it's, it's a beautiful movie there's a lot of um scenes that i was like oh i could screenshot this and put it on my wall like that <laughs> it, it looks like that um did anybody see this movie for the first time not knowing the answer to what rosebud was Ooh. Because I definitely knew. So. <laughs> I, I knew, I knew um, somewhere halfway through the film, I was like, it has you to... You figured it out? Yeah, because I'm, well, I, I didn't figure it out exactly, but I was like, it has to do with that, his innocent <clears throat> scene, like it with this, I knew he had a sled. I didn't know it was going to be the sled. I was like, there's the, um, the uh, snowman there. There's something that was there with his mother. There had to be something in his childhood that... Ooh. He was because the the other thing was the snow globe. I was like, it's snowing there. It's it, like that's the really that's the thing that really put it together for me was the snow. That, I, would you say yeah. that the adding that mystery and that sort of narrative thrust helped you with the pacing of the film? But because I didn't have that, because I already knew the answer, there was no sort of like that kind of interactive like let's try and figure it out as we go factor. I, I, was, I was totally in, interested in what what he was going to discover, like what Rosebud is. I, I was in, in on that part of the story. Um, but I was also kind of thinking that it wouldn't end up being anything that important. Mm. It kind of is. Mm. Um, but um, if you like really think about it in terms of his, I don't know, like loss of innocence, or if you, if you will. But um, I, I don't know. I, 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 did, I did like the mystery of it. It, it did still work even when i was fig figured it out so like, but you Bri, I, you said i had absolutely no idea i was shook if <laughs> i actually um I, I was kind of doing what you're doing kelly where like every once in a while i kind of pause and check something and on wikipedia like i think i was like five minutes left and they mentioned something about the sled and then the phrase it was his sled came in i was in like all the like tropes that like Sorry, anyone, but like Snape kills Dumbledore, like all those like late arrival spoilers, <laughs> and I was like, oh my god, that's it is this sled because that's where it came from. But I honestly thought in most of the movie they would just kind of like not figure it out, and like Rosebud would be this like forever thing that they like never know. But well, so technically they, the characters don't know we know. So but like the fact that like <laughs> that came up, it was an interesting narrative thread. But I think I was so just like excited. That figure out exactly I'm like oh that's what that is referencing because in like anytime people reference like it was his sled they never say like rosebud was his sled so i was like oh this is fascinating and then i guess in like another quick 
pop culture reference, the scene where he's in the opera and he's clapping. I'm like, I know that gif. I've, yes. <laughs> I, I understand, which is a terrible way to understand uh, one of the best films of ever uh, as like, ah, yes, that gif I've seen on Twitter. Um, but it was, just, it was just interesting of a way to like kind of reframe it and be like, ah, you kind of know this movie or you've heard of it for years, mm-hmm. you just never yeah. like pieced it together. At so, least you know. it had like a solid 60 years before it was a GIF. Imagine, mm-hmm. I feel so bad for <laughs> the marriage story people because <gasps> they got like an hour before they were just GIFs. And I was like, they worked hard on they're this movie and gifts. they're just memes now. <laughs> Every day I, I answer email. <laughs> I haven't seen marriage story GIFs. Oh, they're uh, everywhere. There's yeah, like this. There's this very famous scene where they're fighting, and there's argument. these like stills, yes. and then people insert whatever their own argument <laughs> is. But it's just like a very dramatic Adam Driver face. Yeah. I will look that up later. <laughs> there's a, a lot of them. Where, That's a good yeah, movie. Like Donald or Mickey Mouse and Goofy fight as the Marriage Story scene. It's great. Oh, yeah. I think I've yeah. seen that more than I've seen the Marriage Story scene. I'm sorry, people who made that movie, but it's great. There's that in the, well, I don't know if it was the marriage story one or the one with like the two wrestling guys that were like fighting. Oh, right. the oh, yeah. But they did the confrontation oh, yeah. from Les Mis, like Valjean. Nice. <laughs> when classic things are reformatted to like memes. <laughs> yeah. This movie yeah. actually made a lot of Simpsons references come back in my brain as well. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, apparently yeah. they reference it, a, or the Simpsons oh, yeah. reference it a lot. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. The guys in the Simpsons uh, writer's room are traditionally big old nerds. So, mm-hmm. like, yeah. Citizen Kane references would be, like, right up their alley. Yeah. It's like, it's the Kane from Citizen Kane. Wait a second. <laughs> there was no Kane in Citizen Kane. <laughs> <laughs> but it did, uh, like, but I did, did know- have a Kane. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. But knowing Rosebud, Rosebud was the slight spoiler mm-hmm. alert. Um, I did like some of the things like Quinn Thatcher, that's his name, like the rich guy yeah. that comes to take him away. Is trying to take Funny. him away. Like he like, sort of pushes against him with the sled. Uh, yeah. And then gives him a new one, which looking it up later was called the Crusader. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Like, mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah symbolic of shedding of the innocence all of that sort of thing which is not a new discovery like, <laughs> yeah if you do know they do layer in the sled well yeah mm-hmm. um but i did i felt like i was missing some of that like an, an element of the movie experience which is trying to figure out the mystery for yourself yeah i realized i really didn't know it because i instagrammed like a part um, just to show, like, I'm watching it, and I Instagrammed, I Insta-videoed the part where he's shoving him away with the sled, and I'm like, it's hilarious, he's pushing him with the sled, and then I rewatched it, and I was like, <laughs> <laughs> That's how I feel, like, during um, Bachelor shows, when I, like, like the other day, I, I Insta-lived, like, oh, this is my opinion on this person, and then, like, five minutes later, they were just an epic jerk, and I was like, damn it. <laughs> oh, wow. So much for my character judgment. Ah. <laughs> uh. I had a question. Oh, go ahead. No, 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 go. I just had a question. So, like, the second wife, I found her, Susan, I think, Susan Alexander. I found her both super fascinating and I couldn't stand her. (laughs) Oh, really? At all. Every time she was on screen, I wanted her to leave. But, like, I I really liked her character and I liked the fact that, like, she was like, no, I'm not going to be doing this anymore. Like, this is your weird passion project to, like, show up other people. But, God, I hated her. Yeah, I think she's not the strongest actress, and that's maybe the problem. Oh, I think she's she amazing nice in this movie. 
really like just from, from innocent start to, to finish and taking yeah. charge yeah Oh, well, yeah, I just like, like didn't I like her. her line deliveries. I just oh, yeah. them. I think like the scene where else. she's on the floor yelling at him is a little <laughs> much, but I think it's in keeping with the tone of how that movie kind of goes sometimes towards unapologetically extra, for lack of a better term. But is that like, when she's just doing the... from across the giant mansion, it's very, very moment. How about yeah. that fireplace, though? Oh yeah, I was, I was like, Want can it. I live there? Not the fireplace, the whole house, but like also. <laughs> I'll just live but in the so fireplace, empty. it's fine. I'm fine with it's that. It's so empty and sad and echoey. It's as big yeah. as my room. Yes, well, but it's only, empty. look, big and empty and, and echoey is only sad if you make it sad. Or you can True. stand in the middle and twirl and shout and have echoes. <laughs> or he could have had those statues set up that he like had piled True. in the basement and or whatever. Parties, <laughs> not parties. Yeah, he just Lots wasn't. Of animals. Yeah, he could have easily been sad Gatsby style instead of Kane style, and it would have been <laughs> fine. But True. instead, he went with like lonely sad, which is just which not is the boring. same. It's yeah. not as much fun. Did anyone else like jump ten feet with the jump scare cockatoo? I definitely did. Oh, did that, anyone... was, oh, yeah. that was weird. And no, I, yeah, was when, she, when she was leaving and then all of a sudden there's like, I was turned away yep. for a second. It was like, like what's going on? I, I didn't get that. It didn't make any sense. It was I mean, certainly, I mean, maybe they anticipated that people like would have their attention drift oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. for a second and they're like, wait, <laughs> jump scare, so wasn't, come back. Wasn't the cockatoo going back into a flashback? I think, because I thought it was yes, like it a was, way yeah. to... Yeah, because I felt like the cockatoo was just a really smart way to get kind of a shrill sound that was kind of mirroring Susan because she was like so pissed off but not in a state where she was going to like scream at him. She was just kind of silently, angrily leaving, but it still kind of got that jolty sound bite in there as well to bring you back into that moment, like that flashback moment. Because it's essentially cutting straight back to like that scene that they cut out of right in the heat of the moment, right before he starts trashing the bedroom. Yeah. A little jolty, yeah. Yeah, the, the transitions in and out of flashbacks were really interesting. Some yeah. of them were really effective, some of them were just crossfades. But like for the most part, they were they're quite interesting. Like yeah, they definitely turned off like one like one light in one scene, turned on another light in the other part of the scene, and then really faded out. There seemed to be that sort of idea going on. Mm-hmm. I remember that from the first time around, like the breakfast montage like stuck oh yeah that was great yeah after i first watched it if anyone wants to go to youtube i remade citizen kane with my cats it's called kitties and kane (laughs) great not citizen (laughs) no 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 kitties and kane i'm not i'm not a monster no and we do the uh my cats do the breakfast montage as well where they're like sharing out of a bowl and then like the one cat just perfectly hisses and like hits the other cat and I was like this is cinematic gold <laughs> yeah and that's on um teacup for one or on a different no channel? that's on my old channel um I think you'd have to search cat madness because that was the name of the series uh this was the only episode that I didn't block from public viewing because I'm I feel like it holds up kind of hilariously so cat madness starring Salem Sounds if anyone wants cute. to look it up but then look up teacup for one because I put I put effort into those videos. <laughs> you you named your cat after the Sabrina cat. I got the cat specifically because of the Sabrina cat. I was like, I want a black cat named Salem, and <laughs> he was yeah, seventeen years. He was the best cat. 
Oh. My family's cat yeah. just got a black cat who also he he looks like Salem. I did around oh. Halloween, like I made him watch like oh. the nineties. He's like, no, it's look, it's you. Along with Nelson Joan Hart. I will say the breakfast scene really made me realize just how impressive the makeup was. Cause like I started to get it, but I was like, wow. And then again, as I mentioned, I was like, oh, I'm no longer attractive to him. Thank God. <laughs> uh, but it was like, it was so subtle. Cause it was like, oh, he's still attractive. Oh, he's getting better. Oh, no. Um, but yeah, it was. And then when it ended and she's reading the other, the competitor's newspaper, I think I shrieked loud enough. My poor neighbors must hate me, but it was just like, oh, the perfect fuck you to like, wrap that all up beautiful that was shady that was pretty like, shady just for <laughs> the record it is acceptable to have a crush on 25 year old orson wells in the like early newspaper scenes true but that like is the- acceptable stuff he's also not a terrible person yet <laughs> he's just like it's totally fine oh, see, <laughs> you, could, say- you don't you don't have to apologize for it anymore <laughs> now if we're cause- talking about like act three uh, oh, <laughs> that's no, a problem. <laughs> like the first thing as I mentioned, I saw him in Touch of Evil, so I was like, okay, so like, did they like age him down? And then I saw this was his first movie, but I'm like, how old is he? I don't feel like doing the math. Is he 90? I don't know. I don't. I don't want to think about this. It was just weird, but very nice. <laughs> it made my it my viewing pleasure was great. It was fine. <laughs> <laughs> He's very charming. It's fine. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Did anyone else have a crush on Orson Welles? <laughs> I, I felt like he had a Marlon Brando type of look, but Marlon Brando's after him, so it's yes. really uh, the opposite. It's really Marlon good. Brando, another classic example yeah. of someone that's perfectly fine, even encouraged to have a crush on young Marlon Brando, but when we're talking about old Marlon Brando, we've just got to <laughs> add some asterisks. <laughs> oh, oh, I, I remember uh, I didn't mind Susan Alexander Kane's opera singing as a classical <laughs> music, mm-hmm, music oh, listener. There was some, there was some, like when she's training, of course she's definitely singing badly, but when she's actually in the opera, it was, she was fine. Yeah, just it wasn't bad enough. Like, yeah. I can get why everyone yeah. says it's bad, because I guess if you're going to see an opera, you expect a top-class performance, which it wasn't, but, it, like, it wasn't shameful. It was like a good community theater performance. Yeah. Well, and then, fun fine. fact, did anyone read that they composed it specifically, like, with her, the actor's range in mind? So that it was like just at her break, so that oh, she could God. actually put every bit of effort into it, and then still not sound it. great. Yeah, <laughs> oh, that's kind of awesome because it is hard yeah. to if you can sing, it's hard to sing badly. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's hard to sort of fake that. It's like it's hard to laugh or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> beautiful, well done. Um, yeah, I, I think that acting. it's actually better that it was like not up to snuff, but not terrible because I think that it starts to strain credulity if she was like Floris, what's that name? Yeah, Floris Foster Jenkins. Like if she was just yeah. actively terrible, yeah. then mm-hmm. he wouldn't be able to keep up the ruse or he wouldn't be able to justify it to himself. Mm-hmm. Um, but if she's sort of just like on the line, 
Yeah. Um, like how Lauren Graham is in a musical TV show right now. And like, that's not okay, but it's like, okay enough that it's fine. Or like getting La La Land, you know, she was selling out. Which was weird, but sorry. What? Say that again. She was selling out all of those different locations of of, of her performances. Was she really? Yeah. Thanks. Thanks to the paper probably, but. Um, oh, in the movie. I thought you were yeah. talking about Lauren Graham. I was very no, 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 confused. No. <laughs> no, just like she was selling out uh, performance venues. Yeah, like, because of all the free pu- free publicity. Yeah. But she got horrible reviews from everyone, including her mm. husband's paper. So Well, then I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but that's why that's why it was like weird. It's like, but she didn't want to do it. So that, that, that was the what? main point of it. Wasn't she like opening the opera house? Wasn't it more an event like, hey, Chicago just got a brand new gorgeous venue. Let's go see the opera. He built it for her. Mm-hmm. But there was, mm-hmm. he, there was papers of like different towns. Yeah. And she was going to different oh, towns. Oh, there were? Or, oh, I missed that. Or it was just Yeah, I found that confusing. The why yeah. is she on tour element mm-hmm. of it. Yeah. I thought yeah. it was because of him. Because Yeah, like, I mean, they, he has yeah. pockets. Yeah. Pockets. I you know, say, I understand why that he paid for her to go on tour. Just like... <laughs> But you built her an opera house, keep her in one place. And yeah. then also, if you have one long running show, you don't have to submit it for reviews multiple times. <laughs> you can just get your mm. bad reviews and then run for six months or whatever and never be reviewed again. And that's a great strategy. Like a bad, like Second City has these six month runs. So if one of their reviews is bad, the reviews are, sorry, the reviews two different versions of the word review but um if one of their shows is bad the reviews are long gone and the subway ads are still happening for another literal six months for people to come and have no recollection of what anyone said about it also i'm face palming in my soul for saying florence nightingale instead of florence jenkins (laughs) it's okay it's fine um but I mean, her voice was like she was fine. Like, she, but she didn't want to do it. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. it was she was like not great. It's just like, <laughs> but it made sense. Yeah. yeah. Something I found interesting about that part was that like the the way his friend or his ex friend um, was so confident, and just like oh, he did it because the there was a headline it had singer in um, quotation marks, and mm-hmm. he wanted to get rid of quotation marks. Um, something I found maybe the most compelling about the whole movie was the idea of the unreliable narrators and the everybody, everything being through somebody else's perspective. Um, Mm. Because I totally do that. Like if someone's like, why did your friend do that thing? I'll just like speculate wildly with like outrageous confidence. I'll be like, they did it because of the quotation marks in that headline. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So like, we don't really know if that was his motivation, but his ex friend who, for whatever reason, you know, and he has his own emotional baggage about what happened and he was just very confident in that assertion. I think that's an interesting narrative device, especially when we're getting multiple perspectives because it's ultimately about sort of the unknowability of any one human being, regardless of their level of complexity. Good point. <laughs> I have nothing to say about it. It's just, you know, that point is now over. <laughs> I don't sometimes feel like I'm back in like English class discussing like, this is what symbolism is yeah. for this movie. Cause it is very like, mm-hmm. this is symbolism of childhood innocence. <laughs> That's true. This is symbolism. I'm going to, yeah. Although I will that say, when we, 
when like in school I watched on the waterfront, I wasn't like, ah, yes, he's hot. So it's nice to be able <laughs> to like say this openly and not like write a paper on it. <laughs> I like how we will do like a sort of a, 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 another a topic about the movie, and then everyone's where no. you'll be like, just to clarify my previous <laughs> statement about the hotness. No. <laughs> I was talking on the waterfront, Marlon Brando. Different, oh, I definitely, obviously. I definitely watched that for school, and I don't think I wrote it into my paper, but he was definitely hot in that movie. <laughs> I mean, I think. The symbolism of his hotness is relevant thank you I, okay it sure <laughs> it could be it definitely could be because it can relate to like his fall from he was mm-hmm. like such a golden boy and then his just he had everything he ever wanted and his descent into nothingness you know sure mm-hmm. making him hot is helpful <laughs> in the in that the height of his um achievement kind of era and then you also get into like he married um, sort of above his station, mm-hmm. and then you get into a discussion of okay, was he really hot and was he really charming, or was the money part of it? Um, which I think of to go back to Laura's previous point about Trump um, or he who shall not be named. Yes, <laughs> right. Like he's got he's had a string of hot wives and this sort of like weird. And there's all these portraits of him where he's like pretending to be hot, and there's. <laughs> I don't know. There's this sort of like false narrative that built up around him when he was younger of like, oh, he's like an attractive man, but it was all of the money and power. It wasn't actually his Mm -hmm. face. And so like, are we watching young Orson Welles and grading him on a curve of like, oh, you made the greatest movie of all time when you were 25 and all that stuff. Like, are we grading on a curve? or not i don't know i'm trying to make it relevant guys (laughs) (laughs) i mean i think he had like boyish good looks he was he was was like a strapping young lad well actually to bring like to not bring it back to hotness but like to um bring up the part where it's like marrying above his station the fact that like i thought it was fascinating that they killed off his wife and son um so he could be able to marry um the new woman and i think it's the Hayes code that is the reason why, like, the, like he couldn't get divorced. He had to, like, oh. she had to die. Um, but it was funny because, like... Wait, was that actually, like, in the mo- like the yeah. movie-making process? It was the code thing? It's, I think so. Just basically because, like, mm. he couldn't divorce her um, because you mm. couldn't show divorce. She just had to die. Uh, and then he could marry the next woman and, like, move on. Um, but it was, like, the fact that the son also died. And there were all these, like, deep analyses about how, like, basically he this strapping young attractive man who like kind of had everything then suddenly like builds his literal palace but he has literally no one to share it with like and even his offspring is dead now um Mm. with a woman that you don't know if he like truly loved the first wife the internet says he truly loved the second but like i don't know um truly loved the second no you don't treat someone you love that way (laughs) but it was interesting because it's like did he love the idea of her and like her as an object and then like because like when he's crying at the end it's like is that why he like didn't see her as a person he just wanted to make her better because she was a thing i think he had an affair and then he was embarrassed by the affair so he tried to legitimize the affair Hmm. i also tried to bank on it as well maybe Mm -hmm. with the opera but yeah yeah Yeah. i do also think that there was i think someone like sort of the simplicity of her like sort of throwing back to like the simplicity of his childhood and the fact that mm-hmm. she 
didn't know off the bat that he was a rich guy and mm -hmm. seemed to enjoy his presence. I think that yeah. idea of not her himself, but that like being a receptacle, having that love, even if it's not really like he needs the audience, he needs like to be adored by someone like that concept of having adoration. I think that's what he loved, not necessarily her. Yeah, like knowing that she's not in it for the money, that she is actually in it for the relationship and that she would be truthful in her emotions when eventually she leaves him. That, it, um, that it's always been about the relationship for her, even though she's very innocent, but um, that there was no fakeness about her. Mm. Um, and I think maybe there was some sort of attraction to that. But I think there's also that, um like i'm i'm in a relationship i'm a i'm a well put together guy that sort of thing is definitely going on and i think when she breaks up that's more of what's happening is his life is falling mm -hmm. apart mm. but it's like he never really had one at that point i think it's also a control thing too oh, yeah. because she is so young and naive and simple and he very much likes to sort of have control of the people around him mm -hmm. when he can um so I can see that also being a attracting factor for Citizen Kane. <laughs> I kind of really like that. And this was maybe because we're stuck in quarantine and like are doing puzzles. But like, I really like the fact that she like, no, because she did all these puzzles. But at the same mm -hmm. time, like, he's like, you could have people over. Like, I have a bajillion statues. Like, you could deck this place out. And she's like, I want to do puzzles by the fireplace and you can sit 30,000 years away but I'm gonna do my very simple puzzle by the fireplace and it was like I don't know if he had like got down on his crotchety knees and like did the puzzle with her maybe they like yeah. would have slowly fixed that relationship but he was like no I'm gonna sit again 30,000 miles away from like the non-on fireplace and like yell at you across the room to be like you should do something and, but it was like something very simple and then like I didn't even realize it until they started cutting to the multiple different puzzles she's doing it's like just, just, just she's always so dressed her. up to do the puzzles which yeah. is so heartbreaking just be fancy and do some damn puzzles yes. with her god <laughs> don't they have like a zoo on the property as well like they have like animals yeah like, like yes a garden who got the house when he died that was my real question I'm sorry yeah. who got the house Ooh. Oh, so it have just been a, a, a expensive property that. And who got the animals? Yeah. Did they all die? It's fine. Mm. I mean, he could have used more chairs. <laughs> he needed more furniture. Yes. It was very empty. Yeah, yeah, I mean, like you can't. It was a museum. Sit. I mean, yeah, like too many overinvestment in the statues, not enough in furnishing. Yeah, there was also she was doing a puzzle in front of the fireplace on a table, and then she was doing the, the puzzle in front of the fireplace, like in the fireplace. Yeah. It's mm -hmm. And it's like she just couldn't get close enough. She had to be <laughs> inside. Maybe yeah. it was just like a testament to how cold she was. But yeah. she couldn't mm -hmm. get, she just kept moving closer and closer to the fire. Like Rosebud. Whoa. 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 I cracked also, it, guys. Another <laughs> piece of symbolism at the end is like, I guess Rosebud was the missing piece of the puzzle. Yeah. Oh, that was a little heavy handed. The <laughs> yeah. like puzzle. We're putting a puzzle together. Yeah. Honestly, they said that. And I was like, was Rosebud a puzzle? What? <laughs> <laughs> I missed all the clues. It's, <laughs> it's definitely a movie that if your pangs would have like 
like half attention, a quarter attention, you tune in, you're yeah. like, wait, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah, you just need a jump, jump scare cockatoo to get you yeah. back. <laughs> All right. Does anybody have closing thoughts on um, quote unquote the greatest film ever made? O- overhyped, mm-hmm. but still, still really great for its time. Yeah, like it holds up. The acting is a lot better than I could appreciate when I watched it the first few times. And I really appreciate like the length of a lot of the takes that I think like there's a theatricality to it that for the most part translates the film really nicely. I think sort of that theatricality is the reason that we do sort of fall into that whole thing of them seeming like they're not always listening to each other, but Sometimes I think just being able to exist in the scenes with them for the length of time that we do is really quite lovely. And I just, I really love the shot where Agnes Moorhead is walking and then the camera's following her. Like that's my favorite part of the movie. So nice. Yeah. No, I was surprised by the relevance in today's era, but other than that, Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, like the lighting, especially like the, it was breakfast montage the it was just it was compelling um it's citizen king uh i enjoyed it surprisingly really liked it did not think i would uh really enjoyed the framing device and another personal favorite was all the times people stared directly into the camera <laughs> if they were in the office i don't know if that was intentional or they were just like the fuck is happening <laughs> <laughs> okay um, I'm a little bit with Steve in that it's overrated just because I, I, I don't think that anything can ever be loud, lauded as much as it is without being inherently overrated. Um, like it, it has to be just because it's so highly rated. Um, and I do think that it, things like this that broke a lot of ground do struggle in retrospect because other things have come along and, and perfected things that it started. Um, and And basically you know, it has had so many ripoffs over the years that at a certain point you go, if you go backwards, it starts to look like, oh, well, no, I've seen that before. So it doesn't have quite the same effect, but um, I could certainly see what was so special about it. And I really did appreciate having um, the amount of commentary I was able to read to help me through with some of the um, technological stuff, um, because I think the film is certainly uh, enriched by knowing or being able to see and appreciate um, all of those things except the ceilings because who cares about the ceilings <laughs> all right so if no one does anyone have anything else to say it, it was done in, in the middle of world war ii so that's um yeah. a big point as well um so a lot of people were watching this if they could during that time true mm-hmm. true and it was there's like a big delay on it getting released in europe it was a whole mm-hmm. thing yeah, yeah? Sorry, Maybe Brie. that's why it bombed in the box office because like one of the things everyone talks oh, about is how like it did terrible when it first came out and then I was gonna say on home video that wasn't a thing but then like later it became popular um so according to wikipedia there were three things and I don't remember most of them but one of them was definitely that he was going to be playing King Lear on Broadway and so they re-released it in art house cinemas hmm. of course he was yeah. <laughs> at the age of like 40 of course which is inappropriate yeah. but uh, okay. you know no, I, better, actually, better I, than 25 i think my For whole Lear, yes, opinion with like, Lear, yeah. my whole opinion with this movie i realized now to better articulate it which stands now to when i had to study it while i was at york like 
I think it's so noteworthy, like you said, for the technical developments. I just think the script is lackluster at best. And like, as someone who likes story, to me, I like, I don't feel like it's a waste of time watching whatsoever, but it just doesn't stay with me in an emotional way. But just for everything that it contributed, like, like letting us see the ceilings, for example, <laughs> or like forcing people to think about film more in terms of what it could achieve visually or through like a nonlinear narrative structure. I think mm-hmm. like I can appreciate how it was a pioneer for that. But yeah, script, no. Yeah, it's a 25 complete- year old trying to tell me the meaning of life and I don't have time for that. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And I think that films like this really established a, a norm or a set of norms for what prestige filmmaking looks like. And it does get really far away from story and character really quickly, which is not to say this isn't like one of the all time character portraits, but it doesn't have, in my opinion, particularly compelling emotional life. And that's what I look for in a story. Mm-hmm. I want to care. I didn't really care that much. Um, but in terms of the technical um, execution, that is really where this movie shines um, and really did set the price. You can see its DNA in every sort of prestige movie that came after it. Um, and that's not nothing. Yeah. Yep. It's something. Slow <laughs> right. cane clap. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we're going to, I'm going to stop the recording there. Um,